everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of The Wild Heart. And I named this episode for the wild things um, because there's something going on uh, where we're at today that really keeps that spirit alive of helping out um, our animals and our wild things. And I thought it was a, a beautiful name for it. We are at, um, well, I can't really say that it's a farm. It's more a magical place. Mm-hmm. It's 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 truly this. Okay, so we turned onto this property, and there's these beautiful pastures, and there's these sweeping old oak trees that look like they cover all this land. And then you drive a little further up, and you start to see the animals, and you start to get this little flutter, like mm-hmm. I'm somewhere special, right? Um, and I I truly feel like we are. We're at the Wild Horse Rescue Center in Webster, Florida. And our special guest is the founder, Diane Delano. Hello. Hi. Thank you for giving me the privilege of coming here and, and taking the time to show us around because this is this is great. Well, I have to say I I love it here. I, I love it tell. with the wild horses and I love sharing it. Um, my animals love people and they love to greet people and see people. They do. We got out of our truck and we had like five dogs like <laughs> come and say hello and they all said hello and we're dog lovers to the max. So I was like, "Oh, look at the babies." And you could tell they're loved. Yes. You know. And that's that special. We also have Kelby Farsworth. Did I say it right? Farnsworth, yeah. Farnsworth. All right, and you um, are sort of a volunteer, but you work here full-time, so I don't know, are you a volunteer, or yeah. you you work here? Yeah, I'm a live-in volunteer. A live-in volunteer, okay, and so. you, tell us a little bit about about that, like how did you find this? Okay. And So I left Utah in 2019 in September, and I was doing the work camp, being a camp host at the state parks, and I was bouncing around, and um, my me and my little girl, my dog... And her dad left in June, and we went back to a state park we had been to, and I needed work. So the ranger helped me get in touch with a sweet old lady, and they had six horses. All turned out to be Mustangs. I didn't know this at the time. And she was injured a couple weeks after I started. And so I went from helping a few days a week like I was interested in to being there all the time. And we were having a hard time keeping up with it so Diane came out to help and so I met Diane I came out to her events and same reaction I drove out here and I was like oh my god like Like, I'm already I decided I'm gonna be a volunteer I've got to work this into my my life even at the time I didn't even know that was an option right I think I came to two events and then found out she needed a trainer and I said, hey, I know that we have never talked about this, but I've done this before. And, you know, if we can work something out when my time's up here. And so we came out and I've been here ever since. <laughs> so That's great. I plan on being here for a while. And it's I'm amazing. sure that she you, you guys are becoming a bit of a family. I've noticed yeah, how, she's like she, how she interacts mother. with your beautiful <laughs> yeah, little girl here. <laughs> That's right. So that's awesome. All right. So, um, Diane, I, I want you to tell us how this beautiful thing manifested itself well I've always had horses in my life my entire life ever since a child we moved to Florida in 1970 and I finally got another horse in 1975 my dad bought me and I actually had that horse 34 years so she was 36 years old she was my teen I was 13 so I rode her my children rode her and my grandchildren rode her. That's so so special. Raindrops yeah. was a three-generation horse. 
Um, I had seen the Mustangs in 1975 and knew about them because the Adopt-A-Horse program started in 1971, and they actually started getting them out, and I seen a real Mustang uh, somebody brought to the boarding barn in 1975, and I was like, I want a Mustang. Well, I didn't get a Mustang until uh, 1998, and 1999, I started getting involved with the Mustangs, and I became a volunteer for the Bureau of Land Management, and then they just kept coming. And I, by time 2001 came, everybody had a computer, which I found that there were people everywhere with Mustangs. So I became a wild horse mentor, and I traveled all over the United States, and I met the greatest people that did a lifetime working with these horses. So from 2001 to 2004, I traveled from California to Maine to Texas to Kansas to Utah um, to Oregon to everywhere working with Mustangs. And so I started my rescue personally in 2001. And that wasn't because I was thinking of becoming a rescue. It was because I started acquiring some Mustangs from other people. So in 2007, I started my nonprofit um, forms to start getting it. Um, I ended up with cancer in 2007, so everything had to be put on hold until we finalized in 2010. But it went back to seven because that's when we actually submit it, and then we okay. had to. So we became a nonprofit so that I could make my life about it. Yes. So I went from two and a quarter acres to 38 acres to now 42 acres. Good job, girl. Yeah. That's okay. Sweet. So the thing about that is, you know, people here. Mustangs and and you know especially people who really don't understand them because I hear it I don't understand them I'm, I've never worked with them but you just think that they're these beautiful majestic beasts you know but there's a lot of work that goes into those beautiful majestic beasts I mean they're being ripped out of their homes and things like that and it, and there's it a is, lot it is sad I'm not against the roundups but I am against a lot of the procedures the way the roundups are done the roundups could be done better. Right. Um, you could go in and round up smaller groups. You could release the herds back in their own family unit, and you would cut down on the breeding problem because basically when they come in and they round up 500 horses in a herd management area, mm-hmm. they then take what they want. Um, anything over the age of 10, they're taking off the range, which makes no sense because the older or wiser and they breed less. So they're already doing that. And then they take the babies, of course, because babies are easy to adopt out. But then they mix the horses and throw them back out. So there's been many advocates that have um, asked and, you know, pleaded to the BLM, to the Bureau of Land Management, to do the roundups in a humane and thoughtful of species way. These horses are families. They have a stallion. They have the mares. They have ants. They teach each other, and mm-hmm. they also um, don't breed all the time if they know the seasons are bad and the stuff. Yeah, I read about that, you know, trying to educate myself a little bit on how this works and how the animals work and their, you know, their their herds, how they stay together. Band is what they right. call them, right? Um, and, I, you know, I knew that they were sort of pack animals, if you want to consider it that, but I didn't realize how bonded they become to each other and then when they do these roundups they get separated and there's trauma involved and things like that and my question is with the roundups and with no judgment there just out of curiosity is 
if, if they're wild and they're on land management land, why are we rounding them up? Because there's people that like to use the land, like for cattle. So say you have 500 horses on several thousands of acres, and you have 26,000 cows. Don't we have enough cows? Well, cows I mean, make money <laughs> because the, the ranchers, and nothing against you right, know, the ranching, right. but they get to lease the land, the oh, Bureau of I Land see. Management's land. So the mm-hmm. ranchers get to put their cows for low money, Got which it. is understandable. They're out there to make money. But then they run the horses off because the horses are eating the grass and eating and drinking the water. Like I said, I was on 600 acres. My 13 horses were not damaging that land. No, no. I would think they're more a benefit to the land. But the guy that leased it decided that his, you know, cows needed all the grass. Oh. So the other guy that let me stay there for five years, it didn't, he said, those horses aren't doing anything. It was a small, it was a non-breeding group. But we have to have a place in in our country, in our ecosystem, that we put value on every animal and and what they provide for us. And and the symbol of the wild stallion and the wild horse in America is synonymous with the Wild West and and our American culture and our Native American culture. So to me, it just feels like there's this... um, and, I, and again, no judgment, but when you're rounding them up in the ways that they're kind of being done, it, it, it feels like there's this lack of respect. There is a lack of respect, and sadly, they they claim that they are feral. So that means that they've been brought back from the Spaniards and here in America, and they don't belong. The horse originated in North America um, in the fossil record. They claim that they all left, but then our Native American people in the northern yeah. of, of North America claim they never left. So, I mean, who do you believe? Just because the Native American people didn't write it down in books. They were here, they would know. <laughs> there's cave drawings, there's right. things with the horses. So the horses were here. So they actually are a species that belongs to North America. They're indigenous. And they should be. So, yes, yeah. our horses should be here, and they should round them up knowing how to treat the species. I agree. I, yeah. I mean, we have to have some compassion and humanity for things that have been here way, way longer than we have. Yes. And there is a beauty to see in the Mustangs out there. And another thing that you touched on about them is that there are studies, and if people want to research it, there are studies about horses and Mustangs um, underbrushing areas. So like in California, for instance, you know, we've had these horrible fires. They haven't gotten better. Right. I mean, it's only gotten worse with the climate change and the fires. And there was an introductory of asking to put Mustangs back out in certain areas. Because, see, the Mustangs are like cattle. They're going to eat the underbrush. Right. And when they eat the underbrush, it's going to not give fuel to the fires. Yep. So by putting the horses out there, they would actually help that area. But, you know, a lot of people, um, they don't want to research it on both sides, but they really right. should. And hopefully maybe this podcast will get somebody interested in it. We have a new director um, for the Bureau of Land Management. Hopefully she's willing to make some positive, thoughtful species changes. I mean, we just have to, you know, we're, we as mankind, I feel we were put here to be stewards of the earth mm-hmm. and, and the other animals that inhabit it. We're not here to be destroyers and dictators you know we need to live with compassion alongside our animals you know and i think we're losing that 
every day, not just with animals, with our environment, we're slipping a little further away. And we need to be really careful because once we reach a certain level there, there's no going back. There's just no going back. Well, it says a lot about a society and how they treat their animals and how they treat their elderly. It does. Um, oh, you gave me cold chills. It really, it, it, we have to be compassionate. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think we're losing that, you know, as we, we say we're evolving. I don't mm-hmm. know about that. Right. Yeah, I just, I'm not always so sure about that. Um, I, w- I want to talk, too, about what you do here and how people can help you with what you're doing here, because you got a lot going on. Okay. I mean, you got a lot going on. you got all kinds of animals. We're not just talking about horses. <laughs> yep. um, and, and, we have, and we're going to touch back on the horses. I want to talk to Kel- uh, Kel- Kelby. Kelby? Yes. Kelby. I want to talk to <laughs> Kelby a little more. I was watching her out there um, in the round with the horses. And by the way, you're lovely. <laughs> and you, you move really beautifully with the horse. So you're in your element, I it's feel. It's all body language, yep. and they know it. Okay. I oh, don't well, always listen to us. Well, while we're here, let's just talk about that. Because um, we were, I was reading about, you know, I, grew, I had a whole, one horse growing up. We had one little old nag growing up, and she was stubborn. <laughs> Um, but so, but I've never been around a collective group of horses, so my education on them is very limited. But the respect is there. Um, but as I was learning about them, they're like they mainly communicate through body language. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like with yoga, we teach you to control your body language and your breath and and your anxiety and things like that. And I was watching you move in the round with the horse, and there was this relaxed nature to you. And yeah. the horse was trying to relax, <laughs> but yeah. eventually you you got her there, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, and if I go in and I know she's obviously isn't really interested in what I'm doing, and I what I'm doing is scaring her, and so if I'm also amped up and like I know she's going to get scared, oh my gosh, is she going to go this way or this way? All it's going to do is she's going to sense that she's right. going to feed on it. It's going to make her situation worse because she doesn't have me. Our whole thing is respect the animal. She has to respect me, and I have to respect her, regardless right. of what either of us are doing. If she can't trust that I'm not going to hurt her or scare her intentionally, mm-hmm. she has to be able to rely on me to be calm and patient so that she can come back to me and be like, oh, my gosh, okay, we're all right. We're here yeah, together. Yeah, we're It's good. okay. But if I'm in there and I'm a hot mess, just like she is, she yeah. doesn't have anyone. She's, we're both in there, and we're both losing our minds. Right. So that's... The balance is you just have to accept that we're learning here. Come back to me and we'll relax. You know, when I had a yoga studio, I used to tell some of the instructors, if you're having a bad day, leave it at the door. Yes. You know, leave that there because all of us in here are not here to absorb your negative energy. (laughs) So you got to kind of, I would think like when you get here, if if part of your purpose is being around these animals, Mm -hmm. then you got, if you're having a really bad day or a stressful day, they don't need that, right? So no. you just got to kind of leave it. Absolutely. And a lot of times, if you start working with the animal, you'll forget about yeah. what, you know, it's you easy to leave it at the door. Yeah. Right. Because you just kind of, if you start focusing and working with the animals, you'll let that go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can often tell if I, if when I'm around people with animals, if I'm going to like them or not. Because <laughs> I think animals are a real good buffer and a judge a lot often of people and not that I don't like people that don't like animals I'm sure I do but I'm such an animal person that I think there's a sixth sense that's involved with people who love animals and that want to help them Mm -hmm. so you know I 
you did you just look lovely out there i just want to tell you you look beautiful like (laughs) taking that horse around and and the work you do with them it's it's pretty cool and you got your girl here teaching her everything she's a little cowgirl she's four years old horse trainer in training she she's she's (laughs) gonna be in command i have no doubt so, um, guys, this is a five hundred one c nonprofit. Yes, yes, it is. So you are de- you are managing everything on on people's charity and good donations and goodwill and volunteering and all those things, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, if you can help in any way, tell us some ways that people can help you because that's what we want. We want yeah. them to help you. We want them to help the horses, and 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 maybe some educational tools you can offer. Anything like that. Well, I started out, you had asked me how I ended up getting here. Well, I started out as a self-rescue, and then I became a nonprofit trying to help more and more Mustangs. And then in um, 2013, I was introduced to the International Volunteer Program, which that was um, scary at first. I was like, well, I'm going to have to have people live here, you know? Yeah. Um, animals are much better with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Um, we went ahead and we started with two companies. And my first year in 2013, I had like six, seven people come in. And okay. uh, so that was like, okay, I only had like three at a time. And then uh, by 2014, I had a lady uh, doing my booking in New York City. And I'm not real computer, so I would write it down on the big table things, you know, with the calendar. Yeah. I'd have lines, different colors for how many weeks. They might come one week, they might come six weeks. She had me 17 people booked. Wow. Okay, I could house eight. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I can take, because we had an office trailer I rented, and I made it into rooms. I made a shower house. I had an RV, and then I had my small little house on that two and a quarter acres. So the um, Abraham Foundation out of New York City, Nancy Abraham, is an amazing woman, and I'm just so honored to be part of World programs okay. like with elephants and rainforest and yes uh, hawkbill uh, sea turtles and all these wonderful programs worldwide so nancy um decided to help get us a new property somewhere we could house the people so we found that 38 acres and it had a beautiful four bedroom three bath house pool so that became the volunteers and that's how i ended up on the 38 acres okay and so we would have up to 160 people booking. Actually, when the wow. COVID hit in 19 or 20, we moved here in 19. So in March 13th of last year, I had 11 people here, and they all had to go home within that two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we were booked all the way till November. So my bookings could be 10 people. The 11th per- person's my coordinator. So we were fully booked with 10 people coming every week all the way till November. And when you get wow. bookings all the time, right. I have two ladies, Rebecca and Brianna, they're my booking team, and they do everything, getting the letters out, and they also do my thank you letters and everything. And uh, so when that hit us, all my funding stopped. Now, we still get contributions, a little here and there, but sure. 80, 85% of my funding was the international program. I mean, yeah. because you had people paying to come here, Right. And half the money went to their stay for the lodging, the food, um, transport, and the other half went right to the animals. So it was really doing well. Sure. So we have up on the wall there, those people on that board of that canvas 
is people that stepped up when when we put a thing out there saying, look, and we got it in the newspaper, man, all of our funding just cold turkey. That's mm, scary, isn't it? It is because, see, you can get grants and you can get things, but they're not much. Foundations, right. really personal foundations, family foundations are really a part of our backbone. They're the ones that have helped and reached sure. out. I have foundations that have been yearly givers that has helped. And we have people that are monthly givers. You can sponsor a horse. You can okay. donate. You can help with the hay fund. We're hay junkies. I've been a hay junkie for a long time. <laughs> we buy more than anything is our hay. Okay. And so, and then we also use grain and we have farrier doing the feet and we have a veterinarian doing the care. And then also I now have Kelby living on site doing training. So she volunteers, but we still want her to make some money too. So yeah, we got to pay her something. We you know? all need some dough every now and yes. then. It's all a good thing. But, but so, so you always are taking, um, donations always we're not going to turn that down in any way shape or form whether it be someone's got hay to donate or like building supplies because you're always needing to build things Uh, cash is always welcome Um, but you also need volunteers you know i mean you need volunteers so if they wanted if somebody's in the area and they wanted to volunteer with you did they just they get a hold of us. They um, Usually uh, my bookkeepers will give them my phone number because we're going to set up an appointment to come out. Okay. And you're going to come and see the center and see if this is what you want. Right now, the volunteers that we have is absolutely wonderful. They're, most of our people are the village people without yeah. the music. Um, <laughs> I met one of the village people today. He was a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, George. George yeah. is so kind and, yeah. and wonderful at our center. And... Um, I hear that. What is it's that? It's the dogs. Spots. Oh, okay. It's just a little good background music. That's the dogs outside. Little spots wanting it. Um, but uh, so we have quite a few people that come. They can come, you know, one day a week. Like we have Ellie as a photographer. She comes on Saturdays. And then we have a girl, Erica. She comes on Wednesday. And then we have George comes three days a week. Henry comes two days a week. Linda and John come two days a week. So you have all these different um, people. Let him in. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna let the dog in. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you're 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 not you have room for more volunteers. Oh, absolutely. And then also groups. Uh, we have the Girl Scouts. Um, we had 25 Girl Scouts here three weeks ago. Oh and wow! They painted all of our obstacles, so you How see cute. those you see those beautiful red yeah, and yellow. Yeah, that's good work for and, them to oh, do. Absolutely. They got a badge or something for that. Well, I bet. and then we have um, five girl. Scouts coming on the 17th, and they're going to do a project as well. So okay. we're open to Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, um, homeschool groups, um, Kelby's, 4-H. yeah, 4-H. We're the 4-H, 4-H would be perfect yeah. out yeah. here, yeah. Um, and then I'll let Kelby touch base more on that, but we have the arena for that. We also have the reading program, so twice, <laughs> now my <laughs> dog is, is looking. this is the dog kissing. <laughs> and when we do these podcasts, though, this is cool, because this is part of life here, right? It's not quiet. There's all these animals running around. Never it's without a dog. Good. He is just devastated. <laughs> this dog in particular is quite a character. It's funny. So you're just going to have to figure out what day a week you want me to come, because I'll be coming Oh, too. absolutely. It'll be fun. So tell me about the 4-H program. So I've reached out to the 4-H because of COVID. Many of the groups have shut down, but I grew up doing 4-H. I did sewing camp. I did summer camp. I did leather stamping, literally anything. You learned a lot. Yeah, we did the stock show every year. That's how I saved money for college. My grandparents would take the money. They'd give us the sheep is what we did. 
And then they would put it back in our savings account. And then I grew up, that's showing horses. That's where I started. And once 4-H wasn't enough competition, that's when I branched out and started all the other showing I did. But yeah, 4-H is great foundation. They require you to know the anatomy of the horse. You take a test when you go to the show. And if you yeah. don't take the test, you get a white ribbon and it decreases your chance of going to state. So there's so okay. much motivation. There's so many projects, just like with the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, you can do projects and get just yeah. other stuff, a lot of knowledge and a lot of smart people I've met through the 4-H And program. if we can get the kids learning, yes. then That's there's like hope the for the future, right? Yes. I mean, there's hope well, for uh, all of that. So yeah. you also do are a part of a reading program. Yes, we are. Um, the Black Stallion Literary Program was with Arabian Nights. Mark Miller and them had that program from Arizona. And in 2015, when Mark Miller closed Arabian Nights, he had two of my Mustangs there. Yeah. He had eight originally, but six didn't make it, so two only made it. And um, he, I had been a volunteer for the Black Stallion Literary Program since 2002. <laughs> and um, um, I ended up getting it volunteered, given to us, yeah. um, donated to us. So we got the pickup truck, we got the horse trailer, we got all the books. And yeah. so we run a program right now called the Black Stallion Literary Program. It's yeah. called Wild Horse Tales. Oh, that's so, cute. Yeah, that's... And so we have uh, first grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade, and we are so excited because Ocala picked up the fourth grade, and they just... Yeah. Um, they're putting it in all the schools. Uh, they put a new twist on it about uh, careers, which is great. So the reading program is for fun, and then also try to educate them on careers. You could become a veterinarian, a yeah. trainer... You could be agricultural. You could be hauling horses. I mean, there's so many careers there's in a lot. the horse industry. More than people realize. Those of you listening who don't know this area, Acala is a huge for, um, horse mecca, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the biggest horse areas in the country, right? Yes, it is. Ocala's, uh, they just built the World Center up there. Yeah, it's so pretty up there. Yep. Oh, and my gosh. That's where we just had the introductory to it. Uh, two weeks ago, I brought up a 1,000 books, and I just brought up 1,700 books uh, yesterday. Wow. And I'll be bringing up another, I think, 1,000. Well, if we can get them when they're young, mm-hmm. give them a little education early, and they're our future, right? So yes. then, you know, it's all it, we could have a mass turnaround of well, things. We also work with the sheriff's unit that okay. works with it. They volunteer. I work with the Orange County Sheriff's Mounted Unit, and that helps the. Um, we work with first grade with the First Touch and Little Black's book, and the deputies go to the school and they get to see the kids. They show them their horses first, right? And then when we have the kids come to the deputies uh, facility in Orange County. The kids get to see the deputies in a different view. That's And great. that's a good thing because yeah. they get to be able to talk to them and learn about the horses. And we did it virtual this year. Um, prior to the COVID, we always had the kids come through. and uh, But this year, it went on a virtual. So we'll see what next year has for them. Yeah, that's great because, you know, a, a lot of, especially today, we think of our police force always not in the best light, but they're great guys. And they, Absolutely. They do a lot of hard work, and if we can, you know, let the kids see them on these big, powerful animals and everybody has a gentle side, then mm-hmm. we, we, we all win-win, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, I know you've had a lot of horses go through you, but do you have a, hor- a ho- your heart horse, like the one that's... Well, my heart horse, sadly, I lost in 2019, and uh, Romeo was the Black Stallion. I used him with the Black Stallion program, 
And then he also did different events, and he did the Native American events and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I love all my horses. Sure, I would say to Tonka, he's also one of my heart horses. He's yeah. my buckskin out there. He's 19. Um, probably that silly little Riverton is going to become one. He's, <laughs> he's working on you. <laughs> yeah, he's a little goofy, but he sure is sweet. So yeah. I think he'll grow into his uh, Yeah, I know you goofiness. love them all, but, you know, we always have a couple of animals in our lifetime that just never leave you. Right. Yep. right? Uh, that horse, Wyoming, that I took all the way to the Black Hills. Um, matter of fact, I have a painting over there that looks like a white horse from a horse that painted that. So Wyoming's okay. spirit stays with us, and she was the gateway for me helping other Mustangs get sanctuary. Because my ultimate plan was always to have sanctuary. And yeah. sanctuary means they can live out their days as free and, and at peace. as less handled as possible. So I am looking for a lot of land. I would like to, you know, 500 acres, 1,000 acres that people could come and go hiking through the land or horseback riding or drive them in a side-by-side, take um, tours, see the horses in their natural habitat. Oh, wouldn't that be beautiful? So, and then have the education center and the cafe and the adoption yeah. center. Girl, so. I, I believe you can manifest it. Well, I, I think so. I, I do. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I've We're, been working a long time towards it. I showed Kelby some art paintings that my Aunt Anne did in 1999 of my vision of my, it was going to be Mustang Accept, which was Educational Training Center. But when I actually became a nonprofit, the word Mustang took you to Ford cards. So it was all cars. So if I had the word oh. Mustang, the first thing that you would get I would be car. put in the cars. So then I just simplified it and did Wild Horse Rescue okay. Center. Well, that makes sense. Um, have you had a heart horse? I really love Opal. I know if I was to pick a horse, but I like to work. So yeah. I, I like trail riding, but I've also like just the competent competitive side of me likes yeah. to do stuff and she's a horse that like she loves she likes to, to challenge work. you so well and she's so well trained she's not very like she doesn't really want to challenge she just needs to do something okay she's not content walking around gotcha so gotcha. we're what, similar we what is easy. it <laughs> what is it i find that it seems like women are more drawn to horses not that men don't like horses but it seems right. like there's something in our dna as women even as little girls you see little girls looking at yeah. horses right. and they love the horse movies i yeah. mean what i wonder what that is I don't know. It makes um, confident, strong women with that. Because yeah, I think we all want to run free, right? And let the wind run through our hair and like have no rules. Or, you know, it's that gypsy side of us. <laughs> I don't know. That's my theory on it. Because when I watch, I mean, okay, so that's my, I was studying all this. I watched some videos of the wild horses. And I, I know you've probably done this, but I'm like, okay, I have to add to my bucket list that I want to see them run in the wild. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful I, to I mean, see I, them. I, yeah. I could cry thinking about it. I mean, because when you think if if we don't change things, somehow that may not be around much right. longer. Yeah, right? Even right here when we went out and did this photo shoot on this picture board and the sun was setting, you can tell by the color, and they were just galloping around. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. And that was on the 600 acres. And, yeah. uh, so even those horses right there, there's no breeding and there's no stallion, but they still had their own band. Yeah, they, they yeah. had. Um, there's always somebody that's the alpha and somebody that's the omega in a group, and so they had their own form of band. That's awesome. Yeah, I just want to 
I want to experience that. But with my international program, um, out of 160 people a year, we would probably have like five guys. Okay. We'd have like five Americans mm-hmm. and 150 people from Sweden, Denmark, Germany, France, Italy, uh, Spain, Africa, um, all over the world. And, Isn't that cool? Uh, that oh, you get to meet that variety yep. of people. And you know, the world is changing in ways like um, we had two young ladies come from Australia. They were veterinarian, uh, going to become veterinarians, not okay. techs, but veterinarians. And at their college, they're not allowed to work with anything difficult, no stallions or anything. So they came to the center to see how do we do difficult? How do you work with something well, that would, you can't work with? That would be part, I would think that would be part of your training. Listen here. <laughs> people are so afraid of getting people hurt. They don't want yes. to teach them stuff. Yeah. They're afraid that they'll get injured or hurt. Which is, is possible, but so is... Walking down the street. Yes. I mean, so the veterinarians that I use for my Wild Horse Rescue Center are generally older, been there, did it, because I have to have you have some knowledge. Yeah. Because your breathing has to be correct, just like you've seen Kelby out there dancing. Call it mm-hmm. dancing with the horses. <laughs> so I've had, uh, over the years doing this, I would have the horse in a squeeze and have a new vet for, you know, an old practice, but a new vet. And I would say, you know, <laughs> Dr. Fullwinkle, you have got to breathe. And she's behind me, and I've got my hand touching the horse on the neck for her to run to get the blood. And you're not looking at her. But I'm not you even know, looking at her. Okay, you know. I can feel her, and I'm like, oh, you're killing me, man. Breathe, just yeah. relax. And she goes, well, I feel so bad. And I go, don't feel bad. You got to say, I can help you. Yeah. I'm here to help you. Right. You know, the last thing I want is somebody confused on trying to help me. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> when you're in a very tight, confined yeah. space, right? Well, that's where that respect comes in. Yes. I mean, you have to know that me putting ropes on her today, she wasn't okay with it. She didn't want to. Right. But in the long run, it's good for her. She has to accept that if we're out somewhere and she catches, there's many times where in the round pen, the moss falls, catches on her foot. I don't want to lose my you know, get thrown off into the fence because she got uh, scared. This right. is all to help them, you know. We right. get stuff that's out noisy, get them used to it, so when a plastic bag blows out from anywhere at any time, they're not terrified. Yep. So knowledge, yeah. you yeah. know, giving these animals knowledge, and you do it with, um, I always think of a positive outcome. I never think of what can go wrong. Right. You think, you set the stage, because yeah, they're, sure. they're telepathic. So they're going to feel and see what you're... I feel that. I feel that they're telepathic animals. I mean, like when you walk around them, it's not that they're looking directly at you. They're more looking at you a little bit sideways. Mm -hmm. And and you feel like they're reading you before you ever get close enough to them to read them as well. They know what you're feeling. I mean, I've worked with wild horses my whole lifetime here, and, and I can go and we can get them to go where you want them to go. Yeah. With the energy, and you make uh, an out for them. You always give them an option. Sure. Like when you're when you're rounding them up, we just rounded up those horses right there, and they were not really interested. They in weren't crazy around. in it, were they? <laughs> they? They weren't really happy about it. But uh, we were able to uh, by having panels and having people and having a setup. We to get that we caught them up. Yeah, and th- and it really wasn't that difficult. It was just a matter of getting them in the right area where we needed them. Right, and then once we got them corralled, 
they all went in the trailer. They did as they as you wished. Right. So you always <laughs> envision work. how it is. And it's funny because many years ago I was doing an animal communication clinic and Joe Mandel was the animal communicator. And I had my vice president was uh, catching up a couple of the Mustangs on a 10 acres we had. And we had a horse that was choking because we had a problem with the neighbors throwing bread over there. And I finally had to get the law involved and said, I will press charges because horses should not eat bread. Yeah. It um, can The grain up. and the gluten. And well, it, it, can, it can choke them. Okay. Especially if it's a, let's say you... French bread or bread, and they gobble it, they can yeah. choke. So we had three choking episodes, Not and good. then finally we got it cleared with the law getting involved. But so um, Mary Alice was out there with a, a few people trying to catch up these horses, and it was Black Beauty was the horse. And we never have a problem with this, right? So Joe asked me what we were doing, why Mary wasn't at the event, and I told her. And she goes, ooh, so, and I told her how we built a pen and we used the skinny area and then there's a pond and the horses will funnel through the corral and then you can catch them up. And she goes, well, do they, doesn't the horse ever just dart and run through the pond? And I said, no. Do you know that horse did that? <laughs> so, <laughs> it hurt her. I said, Joe, stop putting these visions out there. Okay? That's right. I, I bet intuitives, you know, I bet there's intuitives that work really well with horses. So, um, yeah. So we've done a lot of the animal clinics and workshops like that, and it, it is amazing. And uh, yeah. the, the the most impressionable one was with Ramona Sierra, um, uh, nonverbal communication through the field of Mustangs in 2001 in MIMS on a Tuesday and Wednesday in the middle of the week. We had people from all over come, and. Um, we had a horse, Wyoming, that I took to the Black Hills. And when Wyoming was being worked with color imaging, okay, Ellie was from um, the flower up in Tallahassee. It's like a, a center for children that have been abused, and they try to learn how to be touched and how to play. Okay. It's a play center to teach okay. them. So she was trying to play with Wyoming and send color. And every time she turned away, Wyoming looked at her and did her head funny. And I said to Ramona, what is she doing? Because it was very noticeable. I mean, her ears come forward and her nose and she just like softness in her eyes. And then Ellie would look back at her and she'd like look away, like don't look at me. (laughs) So um, Ramona said, Wyoming's trying to heal her. And so when Ellie came out to talk about her experience, and Ellie was a therapist, she said that the color... Um, she was sending yellow, and green kept coming, and um, because Wyoming was actually helping her more like than a she. So, animal. see, even your horses that are traumatic, you yeah. know, that have had such bad stuff done to them, they're still open-hearted to want to help yeah, others. Sure. So, that's that's a good story. I like. Oh, that. it's wonderful. Yeah, that's good. Are there horses? Okay, when you were walking me around, you there's there's horses you try to. You try to help, mm-hmm. but they just they they well, just can't. Since doing this for a lifetime, it's some of these horses just mentally cannot do it. It's abuse, and it doesn't have to mean that the person intendedly did it. But sometimes it changes stuff chemically, I guess, in their brain, or maybe they were already that way. Yeah. But some mustangs, some regular horses. I mean, heck, people. Yeah. I no mean, doubt. you just can't change right. so the best thing that you could do is give them freedom give them a breath 
There's yeah. nothing worse than feeling trapped, feeling hostaged. Um, yeah. It's like a POW. You know, we have you here and we're not going to let you go. And Wyoming, for example, was like the big change in my path in life because I was going, you know, to saddle train everything and, you know, every horse is fixable and stuff like that was in my mind. And when I would touch her and I would see visions of the fear, I mean, it would make you sick. And so as I ended up having that clinic and then I had an animal communicator talk to her, I took her to the Black Hills, South Dakota, and I let her go become a free roaming horse. And she lived her days out there as a free horse. And I have a photograph in that book over there of her standing at the Snake River in South Dakota at the Black Hills when she's 22, 23 years old. Mm. And just the look of she had several babies because they do breed out there at the yeah. Black Hills. She had a fulfilled life back to yeah. her. It was like, so. thank you. Well, yeah. she did. She thanked me yeah. when I let her go that day. So, no, it's beautiful. Um, it's not all about making these horses become something. Some of my sanctuary horses, I mean, it's beautiful to let them have their freedom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's there's so much beauty and freedom. It's like I said, that's my vision when I see them running. It's that I think that's what draws the ladies to it. Mm-hmm. It's magic. it's this magic of of being yourself and oh, being yeah. free and doing doing what comes natural to us. I mean, I'm sure some men feel the same way, but I think women just put more thought into that that way of being, right? We want to just be. Well, you can run into your eyes cry. Yeah. You know, I used to, I don't gallop that fast anymore. I, I lope now. <laughs> but as a kid and, and younger, I mean, we used to run so fast that you'd have tears yeah. in your yeah. eyes, you yeah. know, and, the, and it was fun. You'd be flat out. And running. scream, you know, you could just <laughs> let it go out. and scream. Oh, Maybe we need to do a clinic on that, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, ladies. I'm sure that's some bucket lists for people to be able to run on the Yeah, horse. I mean, we might could start a class on that. Who knows? <laughs> Guys, um, I, I, thank you. Thank you for letting us come out here. Thank you for seeing this beautiful place. Thank you both for the work that you do. And I'm not kidding. I want to talk to you about doing some volunteer work. Oh, it absolutely. will be good for my soul. Um, and maybe we can get together some yoga stuff out yep. here. Absolutely. Um, and everybody, look them up. Give them your website real quick. Okay, it's wildhorserescuecenter.org. So just think of wild horses, so wildhorserescuecenter.org. We have a Facebook page, same name. We have an Instagram, same name. Okay. So we're easy to find. Easy to find. You can go from either any of those places to find contact and look up how you can help. And if you can help, please help. Um, you know, this is a nonprofit. They need help. Uh, the horses need help. We all got to kind of give where we can. If you can't give, maybe you can give some time, you know, or, or like I said, building materials, anything. Help us feed these horses. Keep them, keep them well cared for. All well, right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very so much. much. This has been the highlight of for a long time for me (laughs) and i love life so this is great so thank y'all so much and we are out bye everybody 